five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Sleep to dream, Fiona Apple. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of on a bit of a Fiona Apple binge uh, since last week. And uh, so I, I, I played I played her last week. I think it was on Thursday, which is May 11th. And, um, and, and I realized that the title, the album that the track that I played, debuted on may 10th in 1996 so it was kind of odd that i that i had kind of zoned in on the 11th when just kind of one day after the anniversary of the release to that record and fiona apple is really interesting i have to say like i i don't know find i mean there's like degrees of interesting with people i find most people if you dig enough you'll find something of interest in most people. It's always been kind of my, uh, my philosophy in life, like dig enough and you'll, you'll find some gold. Sometimes you got to really dig, but you'll find some gold. Fiona Apple, you don't have to dig that far. It's kind of all sitting on the surface. And uh, so I went over and watched some interviews with her over the weekend. And she's like a, fucking great interview subject she's completely open transparent fearless um very funny self-aware and there's also something really interesting about her chart she's a scorpio rising and at zero degrees so when she talks about her life you know, she's just, you know, ready, willing, and able to take on any and all experiences. And she's not afraid of them, right? Because those are important. That's very Scorpio rising, right? She's taking it all in and then she's transforming it. And she also talks about, you know, well, people were, were asking her, well, how did you write all this stuff when you were really young? And she said, I just paid attention. I just looked around and I saw the world, you know, in a very, you know, kind of self-aware way from a very early age. And she had really deviate from that, from that path. And the kind of self-awareness, I think is very Scorpio rising, like, and like, I know, and I'm sure she has some political views that I probably don't agree with, but she's a really interesting character. And one of the, when you get into her backstory and you look at her parents and, and, um, and she's like just immensely, I think she's incredibly talented. And 
you kind of look at what goes into creating somebody like Fiona Apple, who's a prodigy. I mean, let's just face it. She's a prodigy. She plays the shit out of the piano. She was writing songs in the second grade and has this demo tape that she passes off to a friend of hers who's babysitting uh, this woman who's an executive for Sony. She made 78 demo tapes and gave out one. And that was it. She was off to the races. So she has this amazing kind of self-awareness and, and she's not afraid of anything. And she's super talented. She's got a really, she's got a good voice. She can play the shit out of the piano, right? But then you look into her past and where did she come from? Her father was an actor and originates from Tennessee. I think his last name is uh, Magger. And he was one of the original cast members of Sesame Street. But he went on to do a number of other shows. And, and so Fiona Apple um, is born in New York City. And she's her parents are divorced. And her mother does like poetry and musicals and, you know, is in the theatrical world in New York. And I think they were living near or close to Harlem when she was a kid. And when she was 12, she got raped. That's, and she just talks about it in a way. It's like, you know, I really don't talk about it in my music. It was painful and boring. And, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's like, wow. It's pretty tough, right? So then she moves to L.A. and hangs out with her father, who is doing TV. And he eventually winds up doing a TV show on HBO or Showtime, I think it's called Brothers, and it was a pretty popular show. So her, she's got roots in the acting world with her father. I think there's some musical genes on her father's side, musical genes on her mother's side. So, you know, genetics play a really huge role in somebody's life. Like, I was not born into a musical family. My father didn't play an instrument. My mother didn't play an instrument. And there's generally a case to be made that, you know, musical families begat musical children right genetics plays a huge role and so she has this gene pool that she's able to draw from she has a father who is supportive of her quote-unquote career right he's the one that got her to make the demo tapes and so all these influences come together she's got some siblings and her siblings are talented and but they're not as talented as she is She's at a different level, right? So you have all these things that come together, sort of the perfect genetic storm in an individual. And then she's in the right place at the right time. It, it's fascinating to watch something like that. And then I thought about, like, that's not going to happen. The creation of that kind of being is just not going to happen anymore. Number one, right, Um The whole idea of kind of growing up around things like Broadway, off-Broadway, those are all very 20th century kinds of institutions. And even like the work of her fathers, kind of, you know, a byproduct of the 20th century. And in the 21st century, I'm not even sure we have children in the way that we had them before. 
you know, we're, we're rapidly heading, headed towards some kind of Gattaca type reality around children. And, you know, and I'm sure it's been around already for a while. Like I have no doubt that the elites can manipulate genes. Like what's really going on with, you know, their offspring, you know, pre, you know, pre-birth in the womb, right? They're in this whole idea of CRISPR, which allows you to kind of edit genes like you edit a computer program. And I think in the future, if we continue to go down this path with more AI, more artificial intelligence, Pluto and Aquarius really is a harbinger of, of strange conception. Because Pluto is conception. I talked about it on the show on Sunday night when we looked at Pluto and Aries, Pluto and Leo, and Pluto and Sagittarius. Those Pluto points are conception moments culturally. So Pluto has to do with conception. It rules the eighth house. The eighth house is conception. The second house is birth. You go from um, sort of the, you know, the, the fusion of the moment and the fusion of two people becoming one, and eventually that comes up the other side in physical manifestation, right? In, in the second house. So the whole idea that, that you know, that, that there would be these influences upon an individual that would create that individual. And, and I'm just using her as an example. There are other examples of that kind of confluence of space-time matter, um, you know, parental influence, all of those things, right? It's like that kind of potential is, is being erased. It's just totally, it, it, and there's always going to be different flashes of genius and different um, versions of kind of unique progeny in a lot of ways. But the model I'm talking about is just really very 20th century. And um, anyway, I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting and just a fascinating confluence of talent. And she's really, she's funny. She was, there's a, story where she was um she was involved with this guy paul thomas anderson the film director i think she was involved in about four or five years and he he was pretty abusive to her and um of course drugs played a role and she was doing coke right she was a cokehead in la and she kicked cocaine and she said <laughs> so funny she said um if you're locked in a theater one night with Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino and a bunch of Coke, it's a prime motivation to quit. <laughs> and I thought to myself, she probably saw these two fucking egomaniacs all coked out of their heads, you know, trying to kind of, you know, out, you know, out rooster one another. And she's just like, these guys are fucking idiots and this drug is terrible and I don't want to do it anymore. And that's, I think that's what happened. I think that's how she quit. And then I was actually kind of blown away that she was involved with, with uh, Louis C.K. And actually says a lot about Fiona Apple. And she's, she's not, she's not into the surface, right? She, Louis C.K. is kind of a, a scruffy old pervert. Um, he's younger than me, but I think he's a scruffy old pervert. 
and they were together and she actually remained friends with him after they broke up. And, you know, once he got sort of thrown under the rug, like when he had, when he had to have his me too moment, which in some ways I think he kind of deserved. I mean, the guy was taking his wang out. He was pulling a, he was pulling a Weinstein. I mean, that, I mean, Louis CK, you can see it in his show. He's like a chronic masturbator. And so that's what he would do. He would, you know, he, he, if he couldn't get what he wanted, he would, you know, whip it out. And eventually he whipped it out to the wrong person. So what, so when all that happened, Fiona Apple got pissed at him and she got pissed at him, not because he did it, but because he didn't go deep enough in his comedy to deal with it. Because that's how she would deal with it, right? Being a Scorpio rising, everything is grist for the mill. It's all part of the process. And she got pissed at at at, uh, at Louis C.K. because he didn't take advantage of that. He didn't work it out enough. He didn't he didn't alchemize his shame. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting position. Anyway, um, little Fiona Apple, uh, "Criminal" was the song I played on Thursday. And again, it was like one day off of the anniversary of the release of title. What's going on, everybody? Enough music. We're going to talk about. We're going to get into Russia today. I, I I saw some very unusual like posts over, overnight about some things happening in Russia. And this whole war with Ukraine has been so fucking weird, right? Like, I don't think there's any war that we've had less information on, real information, real boots on the ground information. And some of the stuff that we have seen seems like it's staged and fake and we always have to kind of put that on the table like how much of this is you know a, a kind of a virtual reality war in some ways and how much of it is actual and real i mean we live in a world where it's not hard to stage things especially when we're thousands of miles away from the actual you know war front and theater but there is something going on there to the extent that it's going on that remains to be seen. So we have to kind of lean into these third parties that theoretically have some information, but I've been reading some things over the past few days and I don't really talk about Ukraine very much only because uh, it's, I wouldn't call it an area of expertise for me. And I try to stay within the bounds of what I no, and I try to, you know, extend what I know so I can be able to talk about it. But I, I, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm following all these reports on Bachmet, although I do follow some and what's going on there. So I, I try to more or less stay in my lane, but I'm going to talk about a few things that um, oh, my, my uh, dishwasher repair guys, my washing machine repair guys here. So we're going to have a bit of an awkward moment. And I'm going to have to play a piece of music while I get this guy sorted out. Cause he's kind of, he's kind of a wild card. Maybe I should bring him onto the show. Why don't I, why don't I do that? You guys want to meet my washing machine repairman? His name is Robert. I'm going to do that, but I, but I'd, I'd have to bring him over here and get him in the seat. I don't know. Maybe that's a hassle. 
All right, let me do this. Let me cue up a song because I got to deal with this guy and I knew he would show up during the show. So let me, let me play a track of music so I can sort him out. And, um, and I apologize for having to do this early in the show, but sometimes shit happens, right? What do I want to play? What do I want to play? Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, what do I have in my queue? I need something that's going to be more than five minutes. Uh, what do we have? Give me something more than five minutes here. I'm really, really pushing. All right, here's, let's do another Fiona Apple. Um, I guess this is a live version of, let me just see this. This is a live version of uh, The Hole of the Moon by the Water Boys. This is him. Hello? Yeah, come on in. Uh, the front door. Come on in the front door. Thanks. All right. So let's play a little Fiona Apple here. Uh, Water Boys version. Hole of the Moon. Uh, and let me turn my mic off. Here we go. I'm back. Was it any good? I'd never seen it before. And it's perfect timing. Anyway, um, Robert, the washing machine repairman, has sorted away. So he's got his thing to do. And um, thank you for your uh thank you for your patience. All right, let's get into chat. Let's see who's here. Lisa W., what's happening? Primo. What did she say? One of the few artists she actually bought a CD of. How about that? Uh, let's see. Scrubbies is here. Wendy says. Uh, Leela LMM. What's going on, Leela? Finca Feliz. Howdy, Lynn. Harriet Bowie. Crossfire Cat. There's my man Tomas. Uh, let's see. Happy Garden in in this. Uh, we've had good rain out here, which is really really great. My garden is actually kicking ass this year. I'm, I'm loving my garden. It's it's uh it's given me some confidence. Uh, of my uh my green thumb again. It's renewed my my confidence. My green thumb. I didn't go over Fiano Apple's chart on Sunday night. I'll do that next week. She's got a really interesting chart. Uh, let's see. Lots of lovely bunnies around here. Ooh, it's springtime. Let's see. Who else we have? There's my man, Michael, DJMC. What's going on, Brother Mike? Fiona is a thinker. She's also a feeler. She's into, like, the whole Myers-Briggs thing. She's interesting. She's a Scorpio rising. Yeah, I'm a Scorpio rising. I'm at the other end. Let's see. Uh, mm, 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 who else do we have? Scorpio rising's rule. Uh, very old soul. Very old. So you, you you nailed that, Harriet. Totally. Uh, admire this, that kind of talent early in life. She's uncompromising, too. I mean, that's the thing about her. Brandon Maggart's her father. That's right. Yeah. Mark is here. What's going on, Mark? 
raising hell down in the villages. Uh, let's see who else. Marie NYC, she's checking in. Uh, yeah, it is easier to be on the show, East Coast time, for sure. Maggard starting the Brown Breaking Showtime. It was Showtime, original comedy brothers. Yeah, five year run. That's pretty good. Scrubbies was antelope watching it today. Two bucks with nice horns. Uh, first, right up uh, my back fence, which is 30 feet from my house. Then group of 13. Wow. Then the dog walker came, lady came out. Antelope gone. Are you the dog walker lady? CC, Fran is here. What's going on? Fantastic. Mm, let's see. Who else do we have? Hanging laundry. What's happening, hanging? Loki, Loki. Robert has a crush on Fiona Apple. Man, I love talent. I love talent when I see it. What can I say? He and millions of others. I know, right? Like, it's not a very exclusive club. Uh, let's see. Soul Traveler. What's going on, Soul Traveler? She was born in 1977, by the way. A lot of interesting people born in 1977. Our friend John Levi. 1977. Uh, Louis C.K. was asking permission. Oh, I guess it's a big difference. Can I can I whip it out and yank off in front of you? I guess you're right. I mean, I, there's a there's a subtle agreement there. But let's hear. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. You don't think that there weren't women that Harvey Weinstein whipped out his wang in front of? that even though he may not have asked permission, they were okay with it. Like there's, there's like a subtle form of permission. And I think that, that, that because those women understood that if they allowed Harvey to do what he did, there's probably a pretty good chance they'd get a part cast. Right. So I think there's overt permission and covert permission. And I think I would say that some of those women we're engaged in covert permission just by two cents. Soros says he's not dead. Who is Soros anyway? I don't even, I, so I was on, um, uh, Olga Perez's show yesterday. If you haven't seen it, it's over on YouTube. And one of the things that, that, uh, we tossed around and, you know, my, my feeling about Soros is that who is this guy anyway? You know, he's got this reputation of being this money man for the left. And, and you know, he runs all these programs and he's here to destroy America. Well, if he really wanted to fucking do something about him, he lives in, what, New Hampshire or Vermont or wherever. Like, it's easy to find him. If he was that much of a threat, especially during the Trump administration, if he was that much of a threat, you could go after him. You know, I mean, there's ways to go after people if he's that much of a threat. It's they, they do it all the time to quote unquote average Americans, right? So if they wanted if they wanted to throttle Soros, they could have. Seriously. Th then the question becomes, and this is an important question. Where does he get his money from? Oh, I know that he made a big, a big deal when he shorted the silver market, if I'm not mistaken, in England. That's supposedly where he made his big fortune. 
okay, well, so you made a you made a big killing once. Like, what's really going on behind the scenes, and where are you continuing to get the money to run your programs and to run all of your nonprofits? So here's my thought about George Soros. He's a bag man. If he if he's really alive and still exists, he's a bag man, and that they use George Soros as a front to launder money and to launder money through all the various nonprofits. When you start with the Open Society and go into the uh, Tides Foundation and all the myriad of the nonprofits that are in there, and I've gone down that rabbit hole, and there are there are plenty of them. So I think Soros is a money laundering point that he doesn't make his own money. And so as a character, I'm not sure he's all that important. You know, it's, it's who's behind Soros. And I brought up the, uh, the example of the Mandarin on Iron Man, the Ben Kingsley character. He's just an actor. Right. And I think that's really what a lot of these people are. They're just actors. And I think George Soros is like the Mandarin. You know, if they and if they wanted to take him down, they could. If they wanted to, it wouldn't be that. They know where, where the fucking guy lives, right? They know where his son lives. Right? It's all part. It's it, it to me. It's it's mind boggling. He's there to be a vessel to to uh, launder money. That's really what he is. So it gets laundered through a lot of these nonprofits, which, you know, have a deleterious effect on so-called Western society or um, this idea of the United States of America. And who knows if he's still alive? He could he could have been dead for a long time. We don't we don't really know. We, and when you get into that world, like, do you really really know? Like, how long was the Queen actually dead for? I think she was dead significantly before she this whoever this other person was who showed up there at the end and kind of played this role right like there's there's so much we we don't know really about the personification of some of these individuals even biden by the way did you see biden at uh howard university yesterday i was two days ago i think it might have been monday he was doing a he was doing a graduation commencement speech <laughs> and um, he's whoever this guy is who's playing Biden is a fucking idiot. He's just a fucking idiot. Let me see if I can find the video. We'll get into the Russia thing in a second here. Let's do this. Um, let me play you this. <laughs> Ridiculous. This is from AP. I got to play this. He's got an honorary doctorate now from Howard. Here we go. American history has not always been a fairy tale. From the start, it's been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years. Between the best of us, the American ideal that we're all created equal, and the worst of us, the harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. And today I come here to Howard to continue the work to redeem the soul of this nation because it's here where I see the future and I'm not, it's not hyperbole. We can finally resolve 
those ongoing questions about who we are as a nation, that put strength of our diversity at the center of American life, a future that celebrates and learns from history, a future for all Americans, a future I see you leading, and I'm not, again, exaggerating. In January 2021, I stood in the U.S. Capitol to be inaugurated as President of the United States. Just days before, on that very spot, a violent insurrection took place, a dagger at the throat of democracy. For the first time in our history, an attempt to stop the peaceful transfer of power in this country. And they failed. Our democracy held. Again, hope prevailed. And this time, I was standing with a black woman about to take a two-mile procession down Pennsylvania Avenue as President and Vice President of the United States of America. And who was marching alongside her? The Howard University Marching Band in lockstep in solidarity. All right, so hold on. I'm nervous about it. Yeah, you better be nervous about it. He looks like he's like, fuck, what have we created? What have we dialed up? Let me find the other Biden piece. We know that American history. Oh, let's see. Where is it? How long is this thing? First black man elected president of the United States. God, he's just so into hammering the race car. Came out. That famous quote when asked about what happened. It's still a battle for the soul of the nation. Hold on. We a know second. that America is. I'm looking for 2022. Record turnouts. State legislative bodies. To stand against books being banned. He's playing every single political and by the way, card that he can. My student desperately planned would help 5% of oh, discretion minority it? children ask what they would say. When I was elected, I he is just going all in here. Bring, but he talks about the one thing I wanted find to the balance between bring up is maybe it's early on. Um, he talks about Howard being a black HBCU. That's really what I was looking for. That's like that's the basically HBU stands for um, historical black colleges and universities, right? Okay, do your thing, man. We're gonna, you're going to hear the shop vac in the bathroom background. Um, it's a little industrial today, but that's what he, that's what he's saying. Black HBCUs. It's like, it's fucking stupid because black is already in HBCU. You know, there's no white HBCU. It's black HBCU in his world. It's just HBCU. He's playing every single He's laying down every single race card that he has in his deck at that commencement speech. And whoever he is, whoever this character is, right, he's, he's still playing 
um, the political games and political shenanigans that Joe Biden has played. So we'll have to deal with this in the background for a bit. I don't think it's going to go on forever. So I apologize. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was ridiculous. The whole thing is fucking ridiculous. We live in clown world. All right, let's get into some of the Russia stuff. So a couple of things crossed my radar um, over the last 24 hours that I thought were interesting. Um, so here we go, right out of the gate. Patriot missile system hit and destroyed by Russian missile in Kiev. So there's there's some stuff that's breaking here that, I, that again, is, I think, rather noteworthy. Let me bring this up on Twitter. And it's, it's two minutes, and it's live footage. So I'm going to play this for you. Make this bigger. Oh, hold on a second. Well, let's look at the, the header. It appears at least one of the Russian KH-47M2 Kinjal hypersonic or KH-55 3M14 caliber cruise missiles tonight hit an air defense site somewhere in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. So there were reports that Kiev was shaking last night and after it was attempting to shoot down one of the incoming missiles. Some have claimed this was an American MIM-104 Patriot battery. However, the missile fire does not seem to look like a Patriot system. But nonetheless, they are now uh, firing on Kiev. So let's let's play this. So again, I think what we're witnessing here, there's the explosion over here, right? There's an explosion over here. So there's two things going on. There's there's the launching of what's happening here. And then there's something going on over here, right? And keep in mind, this is Kiev. And then there we go. There's another explosion here. And look at this. They're starting to kind of go off course. Whatever's being fired over here is kind of going off course. So we don't know what's happening coming from this direction. You could have the hypersonic missiles are really fast surface-to-surface -surface missiles, right? Look, they're coming in low here, and things are not happening the way they're supposed to happen. This is interesting. So again, explosion here, more explosions here. So from what I can tell, this is this is where the Ukrainians are launching their missiles, right? They're moving upwards, upwards in trajectory. That one didn't do too well. And they're really kind of in this barrage of uh, fire, right? This hailstorm of fire. But there's something going on over here, right? That we're not, it's hidden behind these buildings. So when this is happening in Kiev, this is not in Bakhmut, this is not in other areas of Ukraine. It's getting very close to um, the center of Kiev and uh, center of Ukraine. So there was that, right? There was that. And there was this other thing that 
um, crossed my radar, which wasn't that. But let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can. Uh, so there was a guy who plays Doom, the game Doom, with people in Russia. And so he was talking about how there's um like like when he's on a server that's dedicated to this game and he plays with people in Russia and he's been he's been doing this for like 15 years or something like the dedicated you know doom community and he said for the first time in his life he never saw anybody from Russia on the server like they were all not there. And so the question is, you know, and, and he didn't seem like a, like a LARP. He didn't seem like he was a LARP. Pretty genuine. At least that's what it felt to me. So where did those people go? If they're not consistently playing that game, it's, there's kind of three things that could happen. One, the server could be down, but it wasn't because he was on the same server that they would play on. So the server wasn't down. Oh, is the internet access cut off? Maybe. Or the third possibility is that have people in Russia been relocated, right? Is something big brewing, which is why I wanted to, to talk about it today. And it's really funny. We watched Dr. Strangelove on Saturday night and I hadn't seen Dr. Strangelove in a long time. It's a really bizarre movie. It's, 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 it's Kubrick being funny, but also not being funny. You know, he's talking about things in there that are kind of interesting in some ways. And in other ways he's, you know, it's his, it's his way to be tongue in cheek conspiratorial and also deal with the paranoia of what could happen during uh, a potential military crisis, right? What happens if things go out of control or there's chaos that inserts itself into the moment? And the Russians have this doomsday machine, which is kind of in the background of the script of Dr. Strangelove. So that night, you know, as we're watching this, I'm kind of going through the newsfeed a little bit. And, you know, there were actually some sightings of, bombers russian bombers that were in fairly close proximity to alaska and people don't always realize how close alaska is to russia and how important alaska is to this country in terms of an, any number of things right so the the first thing that comes to mind is oil from alaska we get a ton of oil from alaska and if that was somehow you know, cut off or, or, or in any way, shape or form damaged, it would be a huge blow to this country. Then of course, you know, look at all. And I, and I don't mean to, this is not trivial, but we get a ton of fish from Alaska and fish is a really important food source and protein source. Right. And what have we seen um, consistently, you know, over the last year, year and a half that these food distribution centers, farms, cattle like 14,000 cattle in in Texas just being eviscerated 
right? We've seen all the issues with eggs and uh, uh, chicken farmers, huge issues there. So let's not forget seafood production. And Alaska is a huge source for that. So when you see something like that kind of, you know, sort of make its rounds on the internet, it's like, wow, you realize just how strategic Alaska is as a, as a, as a, as a state in this country. Um, it's really significant. So where are we with this whole, you know, ongoing battle theoretically with Ukraine? And at what point does it end? You know, at what point do, does, um, you know, you, you, so the only thing I could think of, right, and by the way, there's been a lot less Zelensky. Have you noticed that? You don't really see the clown anymore. Like they've, he's been sort of played out. Again, another Mandarin character, another turtle on the fence post guy. And I think George Soros is a bit of a turtle on the fence post. But they're used as money laundering fronts. And Ukraine's a money laundering front in as much as George Soros in the Open Society and the Tides Foundation is a money laundering front that actually produces uh, the materials of dissent. So where is, where, where is Zelensky? I'm not even sure he's in Ukraine anymore. And you can even see that some of the European nations are starting to turn on him. They're starting to, you know, even the ones who have the most feeble constitutions, like, like the people that represent these countries, with the most feeble constitutions and the, the 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 flimsiest of spines, right? They're even starting to know and notice that they can't hold up the charade forever. It's a fucking charade, is really what it is. And it's starting to come out, right? There's you know, there's some dissent now around what's going on, how much um resources are being transferred you know, into Ukraine, a huge money laundering operation to begin with. It just went on, went into steroids when this war started. So now you have Zelensky kind of disappearing a bit. You really haven't seen him very much, you know, and every now and then you'll, you'll see like a headline about Zelensky and, you know, what he's uh, talking about or wanting or need, but you don't really see him anymore. Right. So what's really going on in Ukraine? Who's really running the show now? Now that now that the puppet and his 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 perpetual green, you know, military green T-shirt has been removed from the public eye, what's what's happening there? And it's just like any other operation, you know, they'll run it until people don't have any interest in it anymore. And I think Ukraine is way past its expiration date, like. Even the most staunch supporters and anti-Putin haters uh, are kind of like worn out, you know, like you can only, you can only, you know, stay on the ride for so long and then the ride just becomes laborious you want to get off the ride. And because, you know, the way that the world has been set up, there's always going to be the new thing, right? So I think this is kind of important because I, I, they either so the, the here's Russia's either in on it to some degree, which I I think they are. They've got to be in on it to some degree because Russia's always played ball with the globalists, 
whether it's the World Economic Forum, the vaccines, the lockdowns, play ball, right? There's a track record of them playing ball. And if Russia was really that despicable or really that interested in, you know, quote unquote, sovereignty, they would have said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're, you know, we'll come up with our own vaccine, which they did. I think it was called what Sinovax or something like that. And then, uh, but we're not going to lock people down. We're, we're not going to put our, our economy at risk. And then if you look at the mid range results of this whole thing, this whole war, they've gotten richer. They've gotten economically more powerful. Like the ruble's gone up over the time that they've been in this so-called crisis and war. So they've really benefited from it. They're like, yeah, sure. Okay, well, we'll, we'll be the prime mover and shaker for the oil and, and, and the gas. And you have to lean on us, right? So to the extent that they, they're playing ball, I don't know. I don't know what the percentage is. But I always feel like these countries have, they have to do certain things in order to be sort of in the mix, but then they also have their own agendas. And, and it's always hard to understand or demarcate kind of where, where that is and what the percentages are. So I think Russia is kind of playing its own game, but it's also playing along with the globalists, right? So how does this thing come to a conclusion? How does it come to an end? You know, is it, uh, you know, an outright victory? You know, uh, do they have some form of capitulation? Do they have some form of armistice? You know, how do, how do they how do they draw this to a conclusion? Or are they keeping this thing kind of boiling on the back burner? Because if they need an escalated conflict, it's there, right? They have it at their disposal. And they could go, you know, whatever their version of weapons of mass destruction is, that they could actually go there. If you go into the sort of the, the history and mythology of John Teeter. And if you don't know who John Teeter is, he's this guy that showed up theoretically around 1998 and started to hang out on message boards and talk about that he was from the future. And he had some very interesting facts about, you know, present life and sort of the years ahead. And I, and I, I think that there are some people who've been outed as the Teeter LARP. But it's never been eyes, and they were showing up at like Comic Con conventions and purporting to be John Teeter, and and uh, they were you know really cool, and you know they were kind of like these uh, kind of hacker rock stars getting laid. I think that was a big part of what they were doing. But um, again, it's not conclusive. Right. I mean, it's easy for people to show up and say, okay, well, we were that guy. But is that really true? Right. The whole John Teeter thing is really interesting. But one of the things that um, is part of like the Teeter timeline, there's some things that kind of fit. And especially this president that is elected and he's elected to bring people together. Right. But it's too late. Like there's too much division, too much strife in the country. And I I would table that that, that was Trump. No matter what you think of, of Trump and his track record or his politics. Like the idea was make America great again. You know, to try to bring 
people together under this red, white, and blue umbrella. And no other president had really, like Obama didn't give a shit about that. He was not about that. He was about hope and change. Wow. Talk about vagaries, right? Um, you know, Bush sort of backed into it with, you're either with us or against us. He backed into it, but it wasn't about this idea that, you know, he's a cancer. He, of course, he would back into it. But it wasn't like Trump who's like, okay, we're going to make America great again. Like, this is going to be our new organizing principle. Whatever that America was, let's you know we'll we'll put it on a revisionist um, uh, you know nostalgia goggles. But, oh yeah, it was like it was much better then. We'll, we'll go back to that point in America, whatever that was, right? American exceptionalism. But it lines up with the teeter thing in some ways. And then what happens in the teeter mythology is that there is this um, civil war that breaks out in the United States. And Russia plays a role in the Civil War. Like Russia winds up nuking large chunks of America. And they do it with this idea that they're actually helping the Americans, right? They're taking out strategic strongholds that the Americans who are in a conflict with their own government wouldn't be able to do. And as a result of that, there's like nuclear fallout. There's, there's, there's issues, there's problems with like the food moving forward on a particular teeter timeline. How far away are we from that? That's kind of tying this thing with Russia in, right? Like how far away are we from a potential civil war? And the attendant kind of strategy response that the Russians have. You know, I don't think we're that far away, honestly. And I don't think the war is about, um, or the conflict is about race. I'm not promoting it, by the way. I'm not here because the civil war is terrible. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's absolutely utterly terrible. You know, countries are rarely the same. I mean, like coming out of whatever version of the Civil War we had, however that looked, right? Like the the Reconstruction, you know, was happens at a particular time. Who knows? I mean, maybe this is all the Civil War is all a byproduct of you know the Great Reset that took place in the you know mid eighteen hundreds. Spend a few hours on John Levi's videos and watch some of the Civil War videos, and you'll realize that that's like it's a it's a strange, strange thing. And you know how people are posing for pictures, and they don't look like anybody that's really in a war, to be honest with you. That's a whole other discussion, right? But let's just say, for example, there is a civil war. Like coming back for something like that is really, really brutal. And I don't think that the Civil War is like they have really tried in their with all of their, you know, psychological and occult chicanery to create a civil war against blacks and whites. Like they have done everything in their power. Like they really, really want a race war. That's what they really, really want. They would love to have a race war. It hasn't happened. It hasn't kicked off, right? So now we have these migrants that are flooding the country and an unending wave of 
flotsam and jetsam coming through the border and getting repopulated into 71% of the places that they're being repopulated to are red states, which I, you can see that coming a mile away. To me, that is the fuse. This whole border thing is the fuse. That's the fuse for people saying, I've had enough, right? No moss. And if you pay attention and look at what BlackRock and Vanguard and any number of these, you know, really large players in the global economy and real estate, what have they been doing over the last three years? They've been buying huge chunks of residential property. Why? Well, we know that they've tied those properties um, to these um, uh, pension funds. And then and that they, they're, they're using the, the uh, overinflated, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, steroidal value of property to prop up a lot of these pension funds. So these pension fund managers buy these packages and they buy them from people like BlackRock so that they can, you know, have the rate of return, you know, be at a level that's higher than inflation. And that was a big strategy by BlackRock. But there's another reason why. They want to hold those properties. They want to hold those properties. And those properties are rental properties. They are not properties that are residential properties that are people are owning. They're temporary properties. So they're either being uh, rented out or they're empty, which is another, because they don't give a shit. They can buy a property and... It wouldn't matter to them. They don't have to have anybody in the property. They can just have somebody maintain it, right? So there's probably a lot of empty houses across America. It would be an interesting dive into that territory. So you have um, long-term rentals, you have empty properties, and you have short-term rentals. Of course, short-term rentals are going to be Verbo and um, whatchamacallit. I always, I was, every now and then I'll, 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 there's just an institution whose name will just Airbnb drop out of my head. And that's one of them. Um, so where are they going to put these people? Right. Ultimately you begin to do the math. It's like, Oh, Oh, maybe, maybe that's where they're going to go. Like they've already got their housing all set up. And all BlackRock has to do is stop the short-term rental, open up the doors to the houses that are uh, not occupied. And they're not occupied. There's plenty of houses that aren't occupied. And if they're long-term rentals, once the lease runs out, you're done, you're gone. We're taking over, right? And now you have a way to house a lot of these people. And so how does that affect the average American? If and when this does happen, they'll be pissed. They'll be really, really pissed. And I think that's really the fuse. This is the fuse. It's not, it's not black versus white. I don't think the race war is going to play, but it's this border thing that is the, the, people's ability to just kind of deal and, and, and live a day-to-day -day life and try to get by and deal with this crushing inflation it's it's hard to be in the world right now. It's a very difficult place. And then they see this, you know, for all intents and purposes, protected class. They come into the country. They're getting citizenship immediately. 
they're getting cell phones, they're getting $1,000 debit cards, and I guarantee you, they're going to have housing. They'll have housing. So what's that going to do to the average American who, who at this point is steaming, absolutely steaming that this is going on? And that's all part of the social engineering around this whole thing. They want people to be pissed off. They want you to be angry. And what's the, what's the remedy? There really isn't very much of a remedy, at least not through legal means. You had this, this, uh, this Title 42, which seemed to be a bit of a remedy for a while, but now it's gone. And, you know, I live in a border state. And Greg Abbott sent, you know, the National Texas State National Guard or Texas State Guard down to the border. You know what they were doing? They're helping people get on buses. That's what they were doing. They're helping people get on buses. They 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 were not invested at all at stopping this, you know, wave of human flesh from just crashing um, upon our borders and into this country. And if it's real, if you're really going to be a borderless country, like make it fucking both ways. Just make it both ways. Mexico won't do that. They're not going to allow people just willy nilly randomly go into their country and get all the same benefits that people from outside of this country are automatically like being able to own a house in Mexico. You can't even own a house in Mexico. If you're an American, you get a, what a 99 year lease or something like that. Right. So you really can't transfer property and wealth to your next generation. Well, gee, that's not fair. Is it? It's not fair at all. So this ties into these eclipses that are coming and where are they coming? They're coming right through Texas. You know, we have the one in October, which starts um, in Oregon and comes down. It comes right through the hill country, right through the hill country. And then the big one, of course, is in April of next year, where it comes up from Mexico in, in Aries, right? Like, which is a hardcore eclipse. And right through Texas, cuts right, uh, and then goes up through the sort of northeastern part of the country. So one is coming this way in October, and the other is going this way in April and they're all kind of going through the same area intersecting right through the hill country and across the border north south that's where the hotspot's going to be so then again when you look at something like that like i think that's the that that's that's the fuel that's that that is the fuel that could really kickstart something and in some in some instances it might just be pure Flat out survival. Like, how would you like to live within 100 miles of the border, and and deal with people now who are coming in? Not the ones that are getting on buses, not because they they want to avoid a lot of that, right? They want to avoid a lot of tension around the border, but it's going to happen. It has happened already, and that scenario really goes into the the teeter timeline, and then it gets into this whole thing with Russia where Russia in that mythology and timeline, you know, fires the nukes, right? And there's al there's also other prophecies where, um, you know, Russia is engaged in some form of distribution of weapons of mass destruction on this continent. And we're really, really close to it. You know, how close, you know, it, I, it's hard to say. It, it, it's hard to say how close we are. But when you see things like these people moving off this server that they've been on for 15, they're just not there. Server's not down. 
I don't believe the internet connection was down either. I think somebody checked it. Then you have all these other factors that are going on. We might be closer than we think. It may not happen next week or next month, next year, but we're a lot closer than we've ever been because of this conflict, which they've been brewing for a very long time. Of course, Russia has its role in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't, don't have any aspersions that, that, that they're, you know, the white knights in this whole thing. But remember, you know, there's, there's the inside game and then there's the outside game and these nations play both. It's just part of how the game works. Gangs work together until they don't. So I would say this is a period especially with Mars going into Leo and opposing Pluto, like this is a tricky period. And a lot of people are going to be very um, convinced of, of their uh, moral position with Mars and Leo. And that's just a few days away, right? And then, of course, we have the true node going into Aries, which is the, the sign of war and the sign of conflict. So it's kind of setting the table in a lot of ways. I was watching a review. Um, there's a guy I really like on YouTube. Uh, his name is, I think, Dave. His name Dave Collum. I really like his... his um, his movie reviews. Let's see if I can find them so I can pass it on. Um, Dave Cullen. If you don't know his channel, um, I think he's got a really, really great channel. And I think he's either Irish or Scottish. I think he might be Irish. Let me show you his channel. He does a lot of movie reviews on science fiction. So I like watching his movie reviews. And he talks about, you know, going woke and going broke. And he's got some really interesting insights. He even talks about things like predictive programming. When he gets into his reviews of dystopic movies. Um, let me see if I can find his dystopic movie reviews. So he goes back into like the 1970s and reviews a lot of dystopic films like The Omega Man and Logan's Run. And he actually, here's one, Dystopian Futures. It's a whole series he has. Um, he's a big Star Trek fan. He really, if you like Star Trek, this guy gets, gets into all the different versions of Star Trek. But he actually talks about predictive programming when it comes to these dystopic movies from the 1970s. I'd like to interview this guy actually. And when you see him, you see his his um, uh, animated uh, avatar, right? Um, and one of the things that he talks about in his dystopic movie reviews is the Hunger Games. And, you know, it's one of those things where you see the hunger. It, it, I don't know. When I go back and I look at movies, they're a lot like paintings and and or even astrological charts. When I go back and look at somebody's chart for the third or fourth time, it's like, there's another detail that emerges. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Let's look at this some more. Right. And the one thing about the hunger games that I think is a real takeaway 
and if you're looking at it from the predictive programming place, it's this idea that the United States is split up into um, these at first 13 regions and then ultimately becomes 12 because the 13th region tries to lead an uprising and it's wiped out, right? So they have these 12 regions and you know, the United States is re renamed Pan Am. What's up, Robert? This is your problem. I couldn't get in there far enough. I cut you off. Okay. All right, thank you. All right. Oh, we figured out the problem with the dryer. It's good, right? So when you look at the Hunger Games and Pan Am and you see the 12 regions of this, you know, former United States, right? This is, again, you're in the realm of predictive programming a little bit and how we're being split off and balkanized into these various areas and regions. And one of the things that comes through is that through the balkanization and this whole idea of the Hunger Games, which is to appease the elites and to set up this ritual of hope, which is really what the Hunger Games is about, um, it keeps people divided and conquered. And because of the fact that they're divided into these these 12 sections which theoretically is kind of where we're headed and we have these hunger games kinds of um sport or entertainment we're clearly divided and conquered we're edging closer towards that you know level of predictive programming slash so-called reality right anyway and so it comes back to this idea that we're ripe for the picking, whether internally or externally, whether it's our own internal threats that we're clearly having to deal with on many fronts, or the external threats that maybe Russia just gets pissed off and says, you know, screw you, enough of the Nord Stream or whatever that is. And, you know, we're going to take out Alaska or we're going to take out a place like Houston, which is really important in terms of. Uh, people don't understand how important Houston is. It's one of the most important cities in the United States because number one, it's a port city. And number two, it's ties to oil and gas and either distributing oil and gas out of Houston, right? As a port city and it coming in and refining and it's huge, huge down there. And then there's the business side of it all. The zeros and the ones and the books that are associated with it. Right. So, um, That's kind of why I wanted to talk about Russia. Russia is the wild card. And when you see some of the things that have happened lately, like, again, I'm not some sort of train spotter when it comes to the war in Ukraine. I find it kind of tedious in some ways. But every now and then, it's important to sort of pull back the curtain and look at what's going on and maybe tie it to what's happening here. As we as a nation become weaker that our immune system becomes more and more compromised both both literally and figuratively right like there's a bunch of people running around with compromised immune systems and that's in a lot of ways symbolic of the compromised immunity that the country itself has you know as we witness more and more um psychological theater and operations i think miller light just came out with another version of the dylan mulvaney commercial and you would think like you're kidding me you, you didn't learn from this? You didn't learn from this debacle? 
So it's an ongoing daily onslaught with the free radicals in our system and, and how we manage to fend them off, stay alive, stay healthy, stay vital, and keep a, a kind of a, a, hopefully a fresh and clear perspective. But I got to say the border thing is an issue. It's a real issue. And it's an issue because of any number of things that are connected to it, but mostly tying into this eclipse cycle, which I think is very significant because of the placement of the eclipses right through here, right through Texas, right on the border, right into Mexico, right down into Central America, right into South America, either descending or ascending. In October, it descends. In April, it ascends, right? So this is the hot spot. This is the hot zone. And... Um, We'll just keep our eye on it, right? I'm right here. Not too far from the border. I'll do my best to keep you apprised. All right, why don't we uh, get on out of here so I can uh, work with Robert, the other Robert, the Washington dryer pair man. So thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. And um, I don't think I'll play another Fiona Apple song tomorrow. I was sort of on the uh, on the timeline. I needed to play something. And so I just chose that one. We'll, but we'll play another piece of music. The thing is in a similar vein. I kind of like, we kind of get into the, the sultry down-tempo stuff. Anyway, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart, two-step what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Thank you for being here. If you are uh, a member of the 11th house. Thank you for your support. If not, you can always help out. There's a, uh, over here on the uh, website, there is a little drop down if you want to become a member. And uh, there's some more information around that. Take good care. And we'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 11 a.m. Bye for now.